0: Welcome to People's Town Hall's virtual town hall audio series. Our virtual town halls with lawmakers and other community leaders now available in an easy audio only format for your flexible listening needs. People's Town Hall is only possible because of support from Americans like you, who believe our democracy is stronger when elected leaders take the time to meet with and listen to the people they work for, their constituents. Find out more and lend your support to People's Town Hall at peoplestownhall.org. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Nathan with People's Town Hall. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, we are here in Lynn County, Oregon. Uh, I am virtually in Lynn County. Uh, Senator Wyden, I believe, is in Albany. Uh, and we are going to have another virtual town hall meeting uh, with Senator Wyden and his constituents uh, from across Lynn County. Uh, People's Town Hall, for those who do not know us, uh, is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization dedicated to the simple idea that our democracy is stronger and better when our elected leaders take regular occasion to meet with and listen to the people they work for. Uh, we do not ask people's party affiliation. We do not ask who you voted for, or even if you voted. If you're a constituent uh, and you have a topic to raise at these town halls, uh, you are welcome. So, uh, Senator Wyden, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Nathan, thank
1: you for doing this, and... Uh... Good morning to everybody in beautiful Lynn County. Uh, I am at the uh, Lynn Benton Com- Community College campus in the community. It is a cold and chilly day in wonderful Lynn County. And this is not about giving filibusters. This is about listening to you. But I do want to make note, in addition, to wonderful education here at the Community College. Lynn County just has got to be the best place on the planet for taking care of veterans. And I'm so, so pleased that that's the case and very proud of that. And people talk about it with me constantly. So this is part of a commitment I made to Oregonians. We were choosing our first new senator. I'd have an open meeting to everyone in all 36 counties. So this is town hall meeting number 1,012 of the meetings that I committed to do to Oregonians. There are no subjects off limits. Nathan, thank you to People's Town Hall for throwing open the digital doors of government. And I'm just gonna touch on a couple of of issues that relate to what I call the Oregon way, which is just to listen to the community focus on what's uh, important we've had some successes, you know, recently everything from the $1.5 million to expand the new composting facility at the Albany Millersburg water reclamation facility helps to build a stronger quality of life in rural communities. Very proud of what we've been able to do with respect to both fire prevention. I wrote the law to uh, make it impossible to raid uh, fire prevention money for other uh, purposes, secure rural schools legislation. It's been so important for schools and uh, and roads. And I think after the big fires, we knew that we had to do a better job of improving broadband. And during the uh, Recovery Act, we were able to get additional funds uh, for uh, high-speed internet. And that's been important to a huge number of rural residents in Lynn and uh, Polk uh, counties, both. Uh, Today we're in Lynn. And also additional money for mental health services and have been very proud to have been able to work closely uh, with Commissioner Nyquist on the intermodal reload facility, which can allow semi-trucks to haul shipping containers to Millersburg, where containers would be reloaded onto rail cars headed to ports of Portland, Tacoma, and Seattle. And a big chunk of ARP dollars of recovery uh, program dollars were uh, focused on that. So this is really a chance to listen uh albany is a long way from washington dc and i think sometimes rural folks feel that for all practical purposes washington dc might as well be mars for all the connection it has with their lives so what i'm here to do is to kind of shorten that distance respond to what residents uh have on their mind today and no subjects off limits i think uh I heard from you, uh, Nathan, that you got lots of folks interested in some uh, issues that the community has been talking about a lot lately,
0: and let's just go right to them. Terrific. Uh, First up, we have Cindy from Brownsville.
2: Hi.
1: There you are, Cindy on my screen.
2: I'm here. (laughs) Um, Well, first, I want to thank you for introducing the River Democracy Act. Um, And this isn't my question, but I hope you'll let us know what we can do to help get that bill passed before the end of this hour. Right. Um, And I, Senator Wyden, I assume that you agree that forest defense is climate defense. Very much so. Yeah. And that mature and old growth forests are more resilient to wildfire. And these mature and old growth forests should be permanently protected on public lands and they're not um i just want to know how how you and this administration could could help create a paradigm shift for management um, by the united states forest service from timber harvest for short-term gains to preservation of forests to preserve the earth
1: Great question, Cindy. And I think we're taking some steps, not as uh, aggressive as you and I would like, but taking some steps in the right direction. You know, the president has announced a major uh, effort with respect to uh, addressing these long term issues. And I feel very strongly about it because so much of what we've done in forestry really hasn't picked up on sensible science. For example, I've been the leader in the Congress in terms of promoting prescribed burns. We saw what prescribed burns could do. You talk to people and sisters and they'll say that pretty much saved the town. you know what you have with prescribed burns is um, you go in during the cold you know weather month and do very carefully science driven, approaches to try to reduce forest risk. And you bring together scientists, and environmental folks, and forestry, timber people, and the like, and you really think it through. It is kind of like almost an environmental ethic built around stewardship. You know, there are stewardship contracts. I was able to get one that saved the mill and John Day. So there are a lot of pieces to this puzzle, but whether it's prescribed burns, Whether it's science-driven thinning, which is extremely important because what's out there on the forest floor today, there's more material, bigger amounts, it's hotter, it gets dry, and all of a sudden you have an inferno on your hands. So I think that the Biden most recent proposal, which also calls for professionalizing the Forest Service, ensure that we attract more people with the kind of science background you're talking about, paying better wages. All of this are some of the steps that make up the uh, beginning of an approach to really be much more aggressive about ensuring that our forests are more resilient and it makes sense from a climate standpoint and a forestry standpoint. Now, let me mention one other thing. In the new program that's being debated now, usually called build back better. The linchpin of the climate agenda is the bill I wrote in the finance committee. I took the tax code and I threw it in the garbage can, all 44 breaks. And I said in the future, we'll have one for clean energy, one for clean transportation, one for energy efficiency. And then we said, we'll be technology neutral. So you can do something that talks to what you're talking about It's better science And we would say there'll be a whole new measure. You want to have a measure for uh, climate? I said in the future, the more you reduce carbon emissions, the bigger your tax savings. The more you reduce carbon emissions, the bigger your tax savings. That bill alone, Cindy, hits more than half of the Biden target for uh, carbon emission reductions by 2050. It passed the Finance Committee. A strong support and I believe it's gonna become law. It's a great question to start us off, all about the
0: future. Thanks for joining us, Cindy. Uh, next up, we have Woody.
3: Thank you, Senator Wyden and hosting another town hall, which is foundational to democracy and civic engagement. My name is Woody Jackson and today I represent Friends of the Bright Bush Cascades. The 2020 Oregon wildfires impacted several forests and rivers, included in the River Democracy Act of 2021. I want to thank you for your support, and I hope continuing support for these recently impacted rivers. Whether covered and shaded by a green forest or open and denuded by the impacts of fire, these rivers continue to have importance to the people of Oregon. Friends of the Brightbush Cascades provided a letter of support for the nomination of the Brightbush River, and we continue in our enthusiastic support for the inclusion of the Brightbush River in the River Democracy Act. Since the nomination, our organization has continued in support of Wild and Scenic for the Brightbush River, and we have worked with SALV and the Oregon Marine Board in its Adopt-a-River program to include the Brightbush River so we can help to steward this remarkable river. Senator Wyden, can you confirm your support for the nominated rivers when impacted by fire? And I too have the question, uh, what can we do as citizens to ensure this important legislation is passed and enacted? Thank you.
1: Well, Woody, I guess I can confirm my support for a bill I wrote and that includes the Brighton Bush. And um, kidding aside, I'm so glad you're speaking up for it. It's a wonderful, wonderful resource for Oregonians, um, particularly for folks who want to know kind of the location. Uh, we really wanted to protect uh, the Brighton Bush upstream from Detroit. So good work. So appreciate your speaking out with uh, the with community groups. And here's the thing, recreation is a big economic engine for this area it's a big economic engine for our state billions of dollars comes into our state and there's so many jobs i mean just the stores where people sell gear and equipment and you uh, usually want to have people that'll take you out and guides and It's a big economic multiplier, including all the people who come and spend money at our stores and go have a craft brew and a nice piece of salmon after they've been been out uh, on the river hiking around and all of the things that make Oregon such a special a place. Now, the River Democracy Act also protects private property, people have asked about that, and does more to protect us against fire because we work very closely seeking the advice of the forest service on how to have fire protection zones and rivers that are protected are required to have a fire protection plan in order to be aggressive in terms of fire prevention. So um, it's kind of, for me, a little bit like the town meetings is we went to the grassroots in Oregon to get people's opinion. This wasn't a bill written in Washington, D.C. We asked Oregonians to nominate rivers. That's what you all did. Three cheers for grassroots government. And there was an earlier comment about what folks could do uh, with respect to climate and rivers. Uh, Clearly, Political change doesn't start in Washington, D.C. and government buildings and trickle down. It's almost always grassroots up. And so I really encourage people to do just what you all are talking about.
0: Great. Thanks for joining us, Woody. Uh, next up, we have Bill.
4: Good morning, Senator. Um, I'm kind of sorry, I know it's here. Um, first of all i've been to your office in washington dc with the national wildlife federation a couple times and you and your staff are top notch very good listeners and i Mm -hmm. really appreciate that on another side note several years ago my wife who works it was an rn at good sam here in corvallis went to new orleans to help with katrina and she became seriously ill and you were very instrumental and getting her life flighted back here so she could get the medical care she needed. And I really appreciate that. And I always, remember that, good. How's she doing now? She is fine, she's not retired and- uh, Terrific, and, we, and, we, need, we need our nurses. Yes, and she always wanted me to thank you for that. And so I'd like to thank you that for that once again. My question is, uh, and, I've been president of Northwest Steelheaders for several years and, uh, and where we like, you know, our, our main concern obviously is the salmon and steelhead runs here in, in the Pacific Northwest in Oregon. And primarily now with what you can involve yourself with is the spring Chinook run on the Columbia River where I have fished that for 40 years now and we constantly see the runs going down, 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 and the fishing season's shorter and shorter and shorter. And this affects the economy throughout the state and in Northwest. And the solution obviously, one of the main solution is to uh, free the Snake River and have wild fish, wild Chinook, spring Chinook on the, on the uh, Snake River. So those are our constrained species. And I would like to hear your comments on how we can can free the Snake River and return our runs. A recent study showed that we can if we can free the Snake River, we can have ten times the number of spring chinook we now have. And also as an advocate for wildlife, as you might know, that this will also help our ORCA population off the coast off our coast and and off of Washington as they their only food source is Chinook.
1: Bill, you're making very important points, and I think you can tell from my approach to uh, the Brighton bush and rivers and climate that I strongly favor those kinds of approaches that are preservation-oriented and certainly include our wonderful spring Chinook runs. My sense is the way we're going to get at these snake riffer issues is really to think through how we bring people together and promote the multiple uses so that we don't have really just a litigation derby. You know, what I've tried to do, and it was part of how we saved the mill and John Day was, you know, the only rural mill that. People had, you know, then they said, Ron, you got to step in. I brought together the environmental folks, the industry people, got them a steward, you know, ship uh, uh, contracts, made such a huge difference. But if you don't bring people together, instead of a win-win that helps your jobs and protecting the environment, what you get is basically a lose-lose. So when I and Senator Merkley and the Washington delegation Senator Murray, Senator Cantwell are talking about is how you go about doing that in a a way that is really going to help us balance the multiple uses. That's number one. Number two, uh, I was recently, like a couple of days ago in Astoria, with uh, the ambassador, uh, our U.S. trade representative, Catherine Tai, I brought her to talk particularly about fish runs. And I was amazed at the number of people who were talking about all the damaging practices, for example, that China uses and how those practices can actually affect the well-being of fishers in, um, in Oregon and on the coast and, and the like. So I'll have some more to say about that as well down the road. But multiple use is critical on the snake. And Ambassador you know, Tai had some very interesting things to say about China. And some of the witnesses, probably people you know really well said, well, Ron, don't you think it's time for some kind of law so that uh, people, when they buy fish, they know where uh, it was caught? And I said, sure as hell, it's time for that. And so we're gonna talk about that as well. We had good interest um, a couple of days ago with the US Trade Representative in that as well.
4: Thank you. I really agree that we have to involve everybody and have us have a common sense solution.
1: Good. Otherwise, I mean, we overwhelmingly, and I hear this in these meetings, when I talk about the Oregon way, people say on resources, you wanna win-win. You wanna protect jobs, you wanna have more jobs, you wanna protect the environment, If you don't find some common ground, as I did in saving that mill at John Day, you get a lose-lose. You don't have the jobs and you don't protect your treasures. So that's what I'm committed to doing. That's how I got the bill passed to end fire borrowing. That's how I got the bill passed to have secure rural schools, which you know brought Oregon uh, more than $3.5 billion. I think it's our largest uh, aggregation of funds that I know of with respect to services in Oregon for schools and roads and you do it by bringing people together. Thank
0: you. Thanks for joining us Bill. Uh, I want to let folks know who are watching on Facebook, Uh, we will have some time to get to a few of your questions as well so if you are an Oregonian, particularly if you're in Lynn County. Uh share your questions in the comments. Uh please frame it in a question, uh hopefully you know short enough for me to read, uh, and we'll get to a few of those. Uh but next up we have Jim. Jim, you are muted. Uh feel free to unmute yourself.
5: <laughs> That'll help with that. <laughs> where, where, where's Jim? All right. Yeah, there we go. Morning, Senator.
1: Hey, thanks for turning out on a cold, wonderful morning in Lynn.
5: Well, thank you very much for showing up here. I really appreciate you taking the time and effort to uh, help us solve some of these problems that we have in the area. Thank you. Uh, Actually, I'm going to tag on to Bill Kramer's question and his comments on it. Uh, My ideas were basically the same on the, the salmon runs and the uh dam removal now i know that we have uh the dam removal uh proposed for a lot of people but how are you going through the solutions to uh negate all of the problems that are from like the uh the fuel industry or the energy industries the uh the different railroad, different uh, problems that removing those dams would cause. Well,
1: it. Jim, your, your point is very good. And I'm, I'm glad to, to be able to amplify a little bit. Those are some of the key economic groups, you know, obviously shipping. That was why I was glad to have the trade representative here. Something close to one out of three jobs in Oregon depends on trade. The trade jobs often pay better than do the non-trade jobs because there's a higher value add. And right here where I'm sitting at uh, the community college, not very far from here are a lot of farmers who produce wonderful, wonderful crops. And um, they depend on global markets. I mean, Lynn County is very sensitive to trade. So the reason I talked to Bill about The stakeholders is you gotta have the shippers and the rail people and the fuel people and the like. And they're gonna say, you know, point blank, you know, we wanna know how somebody's gonna make a living because we have, you know, jobs associated with it. And I've always said there are jobs on all sides here. There's jobs as it relates to recreation, there's jobs as it relates to fish protection. That's all figure out how to find some common ground. And then, as I did before, you know, when things were really on the line in John Day, and you can talk to people about about this, I brought everybody together. We saved the mill. And a lot of people are getting good salaries. And by the way, the number of environmental um, uh, differences in terms of litigation and the like has gone down as well. So you really do have to bring a little bit of, you know, the Oregon way. I like to think of Tom McCall, got that question. He'd answer it a lot better than I would, but he'd talk about the same kinds of values, the same kinds of approaches. You notice, you know, I've been sitting here for a while, taking people's questions. Nobody said, what's the democratic approach? What's the Republican, you know, approach? Hadn't been a bad comment in the House, from residents of Lynn County, people have been thoughtful, informed. They want to get results. They don't want to hear a bunch of blah, blah, blah from, you know, from government. You know, a lot of folks are hurting. You know, I was just thinking the other day, practically thousands of Oregon families have a family member who's struggling right now. So we, we, we got to get some results. Thank you, Senator. Well 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 put by you, Jim and, and Bill. And I'm I'm glad that you guys are kind of recognizing a big chunk of the Oregon Way and of Tom McCall did and building coalitions around natural resources. That's what Roger Nyquist and, you know, a lot of the folks here locally are trying to do too.
0: Thanks for joining us. Jim. Thanks. So we're going to go to a few um, online questions, uh, as well as some questions uh, sent along uh, by Lynn Benton Community College students uh, who were unable to join us live here. Uh, But first, we have a question uh, from Valerie in Crawfordsville, uh, who says, uh, Senator, are you pushing the president to secure the border? And if not, why? I want to understand why our border is not secured with illegal immigrants uh, that can come across in millions every year.
1: I'm really glad that Lynn County residents um, want to go into this, you know, border issue because like so many, you know, issues, I, I find that, you know, so often the, the choices aren't really representative of what we really need for our country. And by the way, my parents fled the Nazis in the 30s not all got out. My father was thrilled to serve in our army, where he was involved in dropping the propaganda pamphlets on the Nazis. He actually, we have pictures of them with bullhorns, you know, translating the terms of surrender from the Nazis to us. And my dad was honored recently as one of the Ritchie Boys, you know, big 60 minutes show about uh, Jewish kids who fled the Nazis and, and served in our um, war effort. So the Wyden family feels very strongly about this. And I will just start the discussion. I believe, um, Nathan, you said that was Valerie who just asked the question? That's Valerie, yeah. Okay. Valerie, I start with the proposition that we need two core values. Of course, we need to secure our borders, And I also think there is a strategy for doing that that is also humane. And let me kind of touch on what this is, you know, all about. Uh, I have voted for laws that have provided over $110 billion in border security. And many of the challenges we're having on these border crossings is this where drugs are coming in, this where you have unauthorized entry, and question is are we going to be smart about what we're doing so what i have supported is more officers better equipment where necessary fencing and other barriers i believe the the biden proposal is going to support additional funds to curb illicit activity strengthen our security I have to see all of the the details i think uh, All corners of our state believe that the immigration system is just flat out broken and we need a system that promotes our security and allows uh, for a growing U.S. economy. And I'm looking at every tool in the Senate to move these priorities, you know, forward. But, you know, people, you know, say what's being done on border security? I want us to have smart security and i 'll just say respectfully, you know without getting into some big you know political brawl i didn 't think that there was a lot of value in the wall, but there sure is a lot of value in technology, officers equipment, or necessary fencing, physical barriers that 's part of a smart security approach, and I think it can be done in a humane way
0: great well, thanks for the question, Valerie. Uh so we're going to go to a few questions uh from Lynn Benton Community College students. Uh one asks um uh students, especially parent students who make up 42% of LBCC's student body are struggling with rising rents and finding affordable housing. Um Senator, how can we help uh help deal with the with the cost of of housing increasing? We're
1: I think it would be fair to say across the state are really up against it when it comes to housing. And this is true of our state and our country right now, one in four renters in our state pays over half their take home uh, pay every month for rent. And the financial strain leaves so many families basically just one emergency away from real financial, you know, ruin. So what I have tried to do is kind of push on sort of two tracks. Uh, We've been able to get some relief, you know, for renters out of these uh, proposals that uh, have gotten through Congress recently, but it's nowhere near enough. And we're going to need bigger and bolder challenges. So I have uh, focused in terms of two areas that I think would really uh, help those parent uh, students. uh, In my DASH Act, decent, affordable, safe housing for all, the uh, analysts who've looked at it said it would build over 2 million additional affordable homes in uh, 10 years. Also, uh, I've been able to cut red tape associated with closings and the like. With my electronic signatures law and a lot of the home builders have told me that without my e-signature bill, when there were no notaries and lawyers and couriers and all the people for closings. Um, it would have been much harder to achieve uh, the closings that we did now. Uh, I'm also in favor of a low income housing tax credit, which residents have liked, developers have like minimum red tape. And it's been so popular that I have proposed, uh, in addition to that low income housing tax credit called LITEC, a middle income housing tax credit, what's called tech. And it just seems to me that affordable rental housing for middle income families has been in such short uh, supply. I'm promoting, promoting tech and our. Uh, Housing legislation also includes a $15,000 tax credit for first-time, you know, homebuyers. So we're trying to put everything we got into this: um, the tax credits, housing vouchers <clears throat> for unhoused folks and homeless families. And parts of my dash act have already passed the House, and I'm working to get them through the uh, the Senate. But this is a hugely important. Um, issue. This is uh, real, a real calamity for so many Oregon families who are spending so much of their disposable income on, on housing, and, uh, and I particularly want to see the people that you're talking about, parents and students, I think they make up a big chunk of the student body. I think I've seen reports it's like 40%, and they're kind of walking an economic tightrope, and I think those ideas that I mentioned can be of some real help.
0: Great. Well, we have another question from a student uh, that says student aid has been so critical for us uh, along with the stu- the stimulus payments last year, but is it sustainable? Would love to hear the Senator's views.
1: Well, I think the question, you know, is student aid is one of those kind of building blocks that are part of the path to high skill, high wage, you know, jobs. And uh, there have been Pell Grants uh, in the past. That's been a big tool for higher edu- education. Uh, I've been supportive of expanding that uh, uh, to uh, make Pell uh, funds non-taxable. The, the point really uh, is: is we've got a choice, particularly right now, where employers are looking for workers. I see that in practically every single field imaginable. Making sure that there's aid for the college and the students is a real lifeline, not just for the students, but for the region and the economy. So I'm going to continue uh, to support funding. We were able in the rescue plan, I think the questioner uh, touched on this, to secure almost $40 billion for uh, college help, particularly um, including uh, community, uh, colleges, funds can be used for, for enrollment, re-enrollment, for giving unpaid student balances, for expanding job training programs, for folks who lost their jobs as a result of the pandemic. And what I think the questioner wants to know is, will I, as your senior United States senator and chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, will I support this in the future? The answer is absolutely.
0: Great. Uh, well, thank you uh, to the students at uh, LBCC for sending those questions along. Uh, we're going to go to a few questions uh, on Facebook. Again, if you are watching uh, and participating in the conversation on Facebook, uh, if you frame uh, your comment in the form of a question, uh, I will uh, select a few of them. So we have um, a really interesting one from John uh, who asks uh, Is, Senator, is there a farm policy? That is going to encourage wheat production this growing season the willamette valley if it shifted from grass seed to wheat could help in the upcoming food shortage
1: uh, i i think clearly we need over the short term some fresh policies to meet our needs for nutritious food and wheat is right up at the top of uh, of the list um tell me a little bit about uh the support among farmers for uh doing that grass seed has been so uh important for decades in this this area tell me about
0: how you might uh, uh supplement that with wheat well uh so john is commenting on facebook john if you want to follow up with some some a response to the senator's question i would be happy to read it but, on your behalf let, let, let's do that let's let's have john
1: john we'll move on to other questions i'd like to hear some more about your idea i think it's very attractive certainly diversifying agriculture in our heavily ag um, areas like this one make a lot of sense and i would just be interested in hearing how it would fit with uh, grass seed and um, other priorities for the valley
0: great i will uh, pass along john's response when we get it uh so going to move on to a question from judith uh who asks Um, Our young people are struggling to find good jobs, yet the national unemployment rate is low. My daughter recently applied to a job. The employer received over 1,000 applications. Americans, especially young Americans, are having difficulty finding decent jobs. I'd like to know what field uh, the mom's daughter
1: is in, because I can tell you in healthcare alone, the number of jobs for people in nursing and folks in um, the respiratory uh, areas. I mean, that was so important in, in the pandemic. There are a huge number of jobs and our community colleges have really been front and center in terms of trying to promote those kind of healthcare services. But uh, if the mom can give me a little bit more information offline, we can refer her to some areas where um, employers are looking for people and they're paying good wages.
0: Great. Well, Judith, if you want to uh, DM uh, People's Town Hall, i um, happy to put you in touch with Senator Wyden's team. Or if you want to follow up in the comments uh, with additional info, I'd be happy yeah, to I pass mean, that along. Na- as well.
1: Nathan, the last two questions, both with respect to... Diversifying agriculture and getting into new areas and making sure that young people can find jobs ought to be front and center of every economic conversation in the state, because I think there are a lot of people of goodwill who would be interested in both topics. And I want to hear from that mom what areas, for example, her daughter was looking at and, you know, I just touched on healthcare because I've been out. Talking to so many healthcare providers, I, I can tell you there's, there's a very substantial array of op- opportunities for, for young people.
0: Uh, so we have a question from Nancy. Uh, Nancy says, uh, reducing emissions alone is not going to put a dent in slowing the negative effects of climate change. We must also pull and sequester CO2 from the atmosphere. Older, mature forests have great potential to sequester and store significant amounts of carbon, but these forests, particularly in the Pacific Northwest, are still being logged. Senator, will you push the forest Service to protect big and mature trees in our forests? Uh, can you assist in putting a halt to the logging of old growth forests
1: well a couple couple of things first uh I do strongly support protection for old growth. Number one, I'm going to kind of walk through it, and I just want to take a little bit of an exception to the first part of the conversation. Curbing emissions is going to take a lot of significant approaches, and uh, all of the scientists and the objective analysts who've looked at my Clean Energy for America bill have said that by changing the tax code, so as to, uh, in effect, redo the incentives in terms of the American economy and say for the first time, the more you reduce emissions, the bigger your tax savings. The evidence is from groups like the Rhodium Group that is very knowledgeable in the field, this will achieve more than 50% of the president's target for reducing carbon emissions. That's number one. Number two, Part of what we want to do in this session of Congress and and pushing the Forest Service uh, under the Biden leadership is to do more in terms of old growth protection. I wrote the first old growth protection uh, effort in the Senate. And so this needs to be part of a strategy with respect to multiple use. I mean, yes, we ought to protect these old growth trees and you've made a great case for why it makes sense for the environment because of what it does for capturing CO2. I'm all in, all in. And the point is, whether it's uh, scientific uh, efforts to thin and uh, prescribed burns, protection for old growth, these are some of the key pieces of the puzzle. And uh, I've tried to use my position on the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee to promote growth in a variety of ways and wrote the first old growth uh, protection law.
0: Great. Well, thanks for the question, Nancy. Um, I have a question here from Lynn, and this may not be directly a federal issue, uh, but I wanted to share it. Um, Lynn says, uh, Senator, is there any relief for low-income seniors with huge property taxes forcing them out of their homes?
1: Well, um, the federal government in, in charge you know, of uh, property taxes, but certainly there are multiple areas where the federal government can help seniors uh, meet their financial needs. For example, I'm leading the effort to hold down the cost of prescription drugs in areas like insulin, where we've got many uh, older people and others who have uh, huge uh, diabetes Um uh, health challenges and uh, and cost diabetes uh, medicine. You know insulin, uh, particularly, has increased many fold over the years, and it's not any different insulin. It's the same you know insulin. So uh, what I've tried to do, whether it's uh, holding down the cost of medicine, our efforts to hold down uh, the cost of food. You know I have the bipartisan bill to rein in the packers, where the evidence is that there are anti-competitive practices in meat that uh, drive up our food costs. You bet that there are areas where the United States Congress can step in, starting with holding down the cost of these medicines, where people in pharmacies, pretty close to where I'm sitting, feel like they're getting mugged at the pharmacy counter. That's part of what the Congress can do to provide some cost relief to the person who asked about how she's going to
0: pay for her her bills. Great. Uh Senator, when you were uh pounding the table for for results there, uh I think you you uh moved your camera up. I don't know if somebody there in the room can can adjust that so we can see uh, you again. Uh,
1: pound, pounding the table should not disturb people's right to see what and hear what's being discussed.
0: Uh, Terrific. Uh, So we have a question from Russell, uh, who uh, says, Senator, is the Attorney General ever going to hold uh, those House and Senator members who helped plan and carry out the uh, January 6th uh, attack on our Capitol?
1: He has said that that investigation is moving ahead. I think that's incredibly important business. We saw more texts released uh, this weekend, uh, efforts where people were trying to uh, overturn the election results and, and the like, I think it is very, very important that the uh, Attorney General, Mr. Garland, finish his work for those kinds of reasons. It's, it's time to make sure that there's justice.
0: Great. Well, thanks for the question, Russell. Uh, We have a question from Ruth Ann. Uh, Senator Wyden, can you share your views on the FAIR Act that proposes a 5.1% pay raise in 2023 for federal workers and President Biden's budget proposal for a 4.6% pay raise in 2023? Uh, Do you support either of these pay raises for federal workers?
1: Yeah, I, I, I support fair living wages for all workers, including federal workers. Um, it's my understanding that the FAIR Act just passed the House. So I'm looking forward to reviewing it and getting into it in the Senate. And uh, if uh, the person asking the question can uh, get in touch with us, we'll, we'll follow up. But, you know, I've long been concerned about, you know, making sure that there are fair wages and uh, economic uh, rules for federal workers, because if you don't, you make it harder to attract the quality people that folks in Lynn County uh, and everywhere else want. So I'm in support of fair um, wages, uh, the Fair Act passed the House, and uh, I'll be digging into it when Congress um, comes back this week. This week is going to be about getting around the state. I'm heading for uh, rural uh, Oregon right after Easter and looking forward to hearing from folks there.
0: Terrific. Uh, I know we uh already covered it in uh two questions here on the zoom but Senator I, I I'd want to pass along the uh Snake River dams topic is uh an extremely popular one in the uh, in the comments um and I don't know if you had any but it, uh, yeah I mean it
1: it is extremely popular because it sort of reflects Nathan where we want our state to go you know this is a huge resources question You know, we had folks, I think the first question involved uh, the spring uh, Chinook. Uh, There were questions relating to economic, you know, industries that would be affected, whether it's rail or shipping, fuel and, uh, and the like. And it very much lends itself for a discussion of how you really look at balancing the various kinds of issues in terms of coming up with a sensible position. You know, there are people who say, you know, it's all about just, you know, the economy. There are people that are saying all about, um, you know, preservation. I think you got to focus on both. And by the way, just simplifying things, as I mentioned, really misses the point. Some of the best efforts to promote Clean energy and clean environmental practices are great jobs producers, very substantial jobs producers. So I think the reason you've got a lot of people coming back to the Snake River dams, and I'm glad that they are, is it really highlights what I call the need to bring people together, as we did in rural Oregon to save that mill in John Day, um, because you can get a win-win that way. And I think the evidence shows that if you basically stack the deck for one way at the expense of others or shortchange the right for people you know, to be uh, heard, very often you don't get a win-win, you get a lose-lose. And to me, what Lynn County has always been about, and you see it in the wonderful care that veterans get here and how people talk about veterans uh, here, it's always been about appealing to common sense and fairness and bringing people together. And that's what I think public service is all about. You know, this is town hall meeting number 1012. Nobody in Oregon government has ever done anything like this ever. And I did it because I said, you know, and particularly for rural areas, I'm from Portland. My, only regret is i didn't get to play for the trailblazers went to school on a basketball scholarship but i was too small and i made up for it by being slow but i'm not a united states senator to represent the state of portland i'm a united states senator to represent every nook and cranny and that's why i'll be all over eastern oregon here in a couple days
0: great uh we have time for just a couple more um we have a, a question from russell Uh, who asks, Senator, the House recently passed a bill legalizing marijuana federally. Could you tell us where that bill is in the Senate? I'm very hopeful that
1: we can move uh, on comprehensive uh, cannabis legislation. The majority leader, Mr. Schumer, Mr. Booker, and I are kind of the leaders of the effort to pull together the bill. The bill will... uh, in my view, be sent to the Senate Finance Committee, where I'm the chairman, because of you know tax um, issues, and uh, we very much need a federal framework, as we know Oregon has uh, legalized, and that's been the will of Oregon voters. And here's an example of one reason why it's important to have federal legislation. Uh, for Oregonians, we've all been hearing about these uh, illegal grows in Southern Oregon that really are putting people at risk in terms of their safety and damaging the environment. Well, anytime you don't have a federal kind of framework, basically the bad guys just try to get out in front of the rules and head for the places where it's um, illegal. So you very much need a kind of federal framework here. And I want to get help for the small cannabis businesses. It's what's called 280E. I want to make sure that we deal with the banking rules, which is safety. But uh, Oregon has voted to legalize. And I think we also need a federal framework. And the most obvious example is um, we got to deal with these these criminals that are um taken advantage of the rules and and are responsible for so much of the uh, illegal growth.
0: Great, Uh, we have a follow-up from uh, John who asked the question about wheat production. Uh, John says- John, very um, interested, go to it. John says, uh, in the past few years, um, there's been an abundance of clover being planted. I'm sure it's good for the soil. Uh, I'm not a farmer, John says. Um, I just feel it is important to prepare for the upcoming upcoming, uh, worldwide wheat shortage. Um, If there are folks who are farmers or or involved in the the farm industry uh, in the area, um, feel free to join our our Benton County uh, Town Hall that is coming up later this afternoon. We'd love to include you.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the basic proposition that John is offering up is that we need more opportunities for ag to generate more good and healthful foods. And I'm all in on that. And I'm just trying to get a sense of how some local farmers might see it and what it means for grass seed or I think John suggested clover (laughs) and different areas.
0: Great. Uh, So we're going to close uh, with a follow up question uh, by Woody. Uh, Woody, take it away.
3: Senator White, the Douglas Fir National Monument proposal is a good match to President Biden's 30 by 30 conservation initiative. Could you help to further the Douglas Fir National Monument proposal? Thank you.
1: Thank thank you, Woody. And we're we're looking at it and what I do with the monument proposals and it's been kind of part of my approach on these issues is make sure that everybody knows before you go forward with the monument kind of effort, you give all sides a chance uh, to be heard, but you know, what a, what a fitting name, the Doug fir monument. And uh, again, it kind of sums up what's practically in our DNA, which is that we all love uh, Doug fir and uh, just get me everything you have, Woody, and uh, we'll make it part of a, Kind of open discussion which is
0: how i always do these monuments terrific thanks for the question woody um so that is Thank it you. for our lynn county town hall as i mentioned we will be back in just a few hours uh, at 3 30 p.m uh, in benton county senator wyden any words for folks before then yeah i i want of course to wish everybody a good
1: holidays this uh this weekend and say once again lynn county the place that always comes through for veterans and looks at these issues as we've heard over this morning's discussion with common sense first and politics second has hit the right mark. There has not been a bad comment or a question from Lynn County in the house, not a single one. And I think that's kind of representative of what it's like when I'm here, I want to thank everybody. It's a busy weekend, a lot going on, and um, families are having a chance to get together and make some wonderful meals. And I wish everyone good holidays. Thank you for taking the time to come out and educate me. I don't have all the answers, not by a long shot. Sometimes I cast a vote at 11 o'clock, and my wife calls me up and says, you blew that one, buster. That was a bad vote. You should have done bump, bump, bum and often my wife included, right? And I'm not. So um, because of town hall, we're trying to particularly when there is so much understandable frustration about government and the failure to do what we're talking about here, which is try to bring people together. We're trying to make sure that Oregonians have a chance to be heard. I want to thank everybody for doing it. And this is part of the pledge I made Oregonians. And as long as I have the honor to represent all of you. This is the way we'll do it. We'll do it so that everybody, every county, every year has a chance to be heard. Thanks, Lynn County. Thanks, Senator. We'll see everyone
0: next time. Take care.